Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Don't you love him tonight? Amen. What a great crowd that's here on Wednesday night. We're so glad to see you as always. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. And uh, God is good. I'm taking you to Mark tonight, chapter 10. Since you're standing, I'll leave you there for just a second while we read the word of the Lord tonight, and then I'll let you be seated. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. I am pulling from some uh, notes tonight. Um, This is a message that I had uh, been given and intended to preach to this church on a Sunday, uh, probably a year or so ago, and uh, the Lord kind of took over, and I didn't get to preach it. And uh, I kind of told you we'd revisit it later. And uh, so when uh, Pastor sent me word to do tonight, this had been moving in my spirit and uh, just felt like it was time uh, to give you the full version. I kind of gave you a little Reader's Digest version that Sunday. But uh, I'm going to kind of dive into it tonight, and uh, we'll see what the Lord uh, will say to us tonight. Verse 17, and when he was gone forth into the way, There came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy mother and father. And he answered unto him and said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Uh, My topic tonight is fresh pursuit, fresh pursuit. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Pray that you would anoint the lips of clay today to speak what you have laid upon my spirit. Pray you would anoint our hearts and ears to hear and receive what you would say in this place. And we'll be careful tonight to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name tonight. Clap your hands to him one more time. Give him a worthy praise. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. To say tonight that we live in a crazy world would be uh, probably the uh, gross understatement of our actual condition. Um, Our world has gone crazy. Um, Never before in our history can you find a more confused or uncertain or perplexed condition than we are in today. Um, A quick Google, or today's gospel for many, search of How many genders are there? I did this this morning. How many genders are there? We'll reveal that currently in 2023, there are 107 different gender identities. A fundamental 
characteristic historically and medically determined by a simple look and see. It's no longer a distinction, but a whole spectrum. Man, that's not my message tonight, but I reference it because it shows the thinking of this current generation. We no longer live in a day of absolutes or certainties, but rather today we live in an hour of choices. No truths, no definitives, no absolutes, certainly not a singular truth. But choices, many based out of confusion and carnality and the corruption of this present world. Gender, marriage, morality, discipline, respect, honor, truth, no longer have a universal definition, but they are now defined individually, and that definition can change as many times as the defining individual feels led to change them. And it is breeding confusion, and it is distributing dysfunction in our world to the point that we are about to define ourselves out of sanity. No wonder we are seeing the issues that we are facing today. No wonder we are witnessing unspeakable horrors and situations because this world has no anchor today and it is adrift in waters of its own making. Bear with me tonight, but could you imagine little Johnny gets up and he goes to pre-K and he defies the teacher who is trying to teach the class, this is the color blue. And Johnny rejects it and makes a fuss because his enlightened mommy taught him that it would stifle his creativity for him to just accept an established norm. So she let him name all of his colors himself. So he'd be a creative being. Come on, I'm talking about stuff I see. I'm talking about stuff I know. And she told him, you make your own colors, baby. You don't have to sacrifice your definitions and be put into somebody else's mold because you are special and you are unique. You call it what you want to. They're the ones with the problems, not you, baby. You live in your own color. You make your own rules. You get to decide for yourself. And the saddest thing about that is we have crazy legislators that are as crazy as mommy. And they back her up, and now the teacher has to teach that blue is not only blue, but it's whatever Johnny named it, and whatever Billy named it, and whatever Sally named it, and whatever D'Angelo named it. Instead of preaching or teaching that blue is blue, now she has to teach five different colors or names instead of one, yet all the time expecting the rest of the class 
to make sense of it all. It's a recipe for disaster, and it's a simple example tonight where we can see that that kind of confusion and that kind of chaos just simply can't be. But it's happening all over our world, and it's worsening every day. No wonder John said, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of this world. This is what he was teaching there. All of this craziness and all of this confusion and all of this chaos was not birthed from God. It was birthed in this world. It came out of the hearts of men, deceitfully wicked hearts have thought and created all of this. It's not from God. It's not his plan. It's not his will. And if you hitch your wagon to that, you need to know the rest of those scriptures. Verse 17, the world passeth away and the lust thereof. Where did the lust come from? It came from man. So the world is passing away and men that are fueling it are passing away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This is what I've come to teach tonight. We must be seekers and we must be finders and we must be Doers of the will of God. We need to shake ourselves and we need to examine ourselves and align ourselves with the word of God and then take heed lest we fall. This is what scares me tonight and brings me to a pulpit with a lesson like this. The lack of defined absolutes that are sweeping across this world, are slowly creeping into the church. Hear me tonight. As long as pastor is preaching the checks in the mail and prosperity and high-fiving and thumbs up and smiling, everything is cool. And you, you, you come, and, and as long as that's going on, it's, it's hey, man, preach it. Pastor, send mine to my address, and, and go ahead, and yeah, and you smile back, and all is good. But you let them start preaching some doctrine, and you let them start trying to teach and instruct, and Lord, help us correct or rebuke. Well, I don't think he ought to say it. I don't know if the scripture means that or not. Man, he was on one today. He hurt my feelings. How could he be so insensitive? He just don't understand how it is out here in the real world. Oh, come on now. No, 
He understands how it is in the world, and he sees it coming into the church, and he's trying to get you out of here and your family out of here and the rest of us out of here, and he has to cry out every once in a while against some things. But we've got too much of the world in us. We want it like we want it. Sing my soul. Preach nicer, preach easier. And if we're not careful, we'll turn church into a concert and a cheesy motivational speech. I just believe tonight I'm with some people that love his word, that love him enough, that, 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 that don't want to go the way that the world is going. I believe tonight that I'm still with some people that want his will, some people that are hungry, some people that are thirsty for truth over fables. Trying to be good tonight, but my spirit is stirred up when I see some of the things happening in our world and some of the things that we are seeing in the church today would have never reared their head before because we would have preached them out the door long before they got in our midst and into our spirits. This ain't aimed at nobody, but you want to know why there's a new church popping up every 30 minutes? And you pass 25 on your five-mile commute to church because people can't stand absolutes. They can't take counsel. They can't take instruction. They can't submit to authority. And when the time comes and they're confronted with their issue, they just simply walk away. They look for something that will cater to their flesh instead of submitting to the will. And what that creates is a religious people and not a relationship. We become like those that Jesus scolded. When he told them, you know the scriptures, but they have not led you to me. Everybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Because in fact, even with all the craziness that's going on, we are living in an increasingly religious world. Everyone you meet today has some sort of faith or some sort of belief system. I challenge you, think about this. It's hard to meet a lost person today. You can't even find one. Because everybody's got their own belief system. They've got an opinion on what it means to serve God. But, but, but sadly, most are not proven by Scripture. Because for most, they don't need any evidentiary support. And as long as it makes sense to them, nobody else's thoughts, especially God's, don't really matter. In fact, it's this view on serving God that's making it very difficult to convert people from other, I'll say, doctrines being nice. Because we have become a society of religious tolerance. And the mantra of the day is that we can all know God and that the means to get to him are arbitrary. 
In fact, in today's religious economy, there are no rules, there are no defined guidelines because everybody's loved by God and everybody is accepted by God. And therefore, if they're loved by Him, He's surely accepting of them. That's why when you confront this generation with fundamental biblical truths, the modern reply is something like this. Well, that's your interpretation. Or that's your personal convictions. That's your truth. But I just don't see it that way. And then, and then they'll, they'll pull that famous line. Y'all know that famous line? Well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. <laughs> because in religion today, there are no absolutes. There's no black and white. There's no foundations or landmarks. Everything is open for discussion because nobody wants to be nailed down. Nobody wants to be labeled. Nobody wants to be characterized. It's an I'll do as I feel and you do as you feel and we'll just all skip into glory together. And if ever there was an attitude that should really bother us and scare us as the church, this is an attitude that should that should put a little fear on us. Because the generation coming behind us, if led by this philosophy, will never have any stability. They'll never be able to stand up in opposition. They'll never define any absolutes or non-negotiables for their own lives. They will never truly know Christ. And because they never anchor themselves to truth, now this is Scripture, they're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And they'll continually heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And in the end of it all, this is what they'll do. They'll accept a form of godliness and deny the power or the demonstration of his presence in their lives. I don't know about you, but I got two boys coming up, and I fear that. I fear that tonight, that the thinking of this religious world will warp the minds of our children. I fear that a casual approach to the things of God will be the norm of future generations. I fear that our message may be discarded because it's too unpopular and it demands too much. Somebody today has got to settle it in your mind and you've got to settle it in your spirit that this religious world can be lost if they choose to. But above all else, I must know Jesus. I must know his word and I must find his will. Oh, come on, somebody. It's not good enough tonight to belong to a group or a denomination. It's not good enough to come in and punch our Christian time clock and go through the motions. But we've got to come together every time and find his purpose and find his plan. I must know him tonight. 
I've got to know his word. I've got to know his will. I've got to know his ways. Because if I think I'm going to make it in this hour, this is one thing I know. I better know Jesus, and I better know I better know his nature. A relationship with the pastor, a relationship with the church just simply isn't enough. Somewhere beyond ritual and routine, somewhere beyond going through the motions of church, somewhere beyond just hearing sermons, we've got to have an encounter with him. You've got to meet him for yourself. You've got to know him for yourself because knowing him will keep you when nothing else will. Knowing him will anchor you when the storms of life blow in. Knowing him gives you peace to lay your head on the pillow tonight and not worry about what's going on in this crazy world when everyone else is in a panic. We can have peace. Why? Because knowing Jesus brings an assurance that as long as I got him, everything's going to be all right. Come on, somebody. I wonder if we still believe that. I wonder if we still believe that all of our troubles are still subject to the master. I wonder if we still believe that the storm that just blew into our life is still subject to Jesus. Got to get back to trusting him again because if you've got him, I promise you, you've got all that you need. Man, praise God. We've got to stand up. We've got to declare truth. Or we are headed for a church that will be unrecognizable from the church that helped get us free. You know what we really need tonight? You know what the church really needs tonight? The church needs a revival of great hand. Needs, it needs some, some seasoned folks praise. It needs some seasoned folks worship. It needs your testimony. It needs somebody that's tried him. It needs somebody that's had to lean on him. It needs somebody that's proven him along the way that he won't ever leave you or he won't ever forsake you. I, I, I know that some of you can't run and, and you can't shout like you used to, but you can still show forth your praise. If we ever need you, we need you now. I was so stirred in my spirit today as I was praying, preparing, getting ready for this message. You know why I'm standing in this pulpit tonight and delivering a message like this? It's because when I was a teenager, there were some gray-haired folks in our church that drug us to the altar and they taught us, this is where you get your life. This is where you get your strength. And they annoyed us at times and they bothered us at times. 
times and every once in a while we'd be aggravated about it but I look back tonight and I say thank God for some elders that said you ain't leaving here till you talk in tongues you ain't going to the restaurant till you give him some praise come on we need that in the church today we need some people that'll show our kids this is where we fight our battles this is how we win this is how we're victorious they get a hold of us and they get that woo going and it stir up a fire and pretty soon that fire that was on them would get to burning on us and it would burn out that stubbornness and it would burn out that coolness and that pride Oh, I know it's Wednesday night, but come on. We need to let some of that fire move through us again. You're not finished tonight. It's not over for you. You play an important role in the lives and in the future of this church. You're our strength and you're our stability, and we need to hear your praise going forth hmm. the younger generation has got to see that we are not crazy that we did not live in bondage because we submitted ourselves to him but today we live in abundance because we've submitted ourselves to him I don't know about you tonight but the greatest decision I've ever made was to give my everything to the Lord we need a testimony in this house we need your praise in this house we need your worship to declare that I settled this a long time ago and as long as I've got him I've got everything I need as long as I'm following Jesus I know I'm going in the right direction as long as I know him I'm going to be okay Why you say that, Brother Hodge? Because experience destroys an argument every single time. You that have proven him and you that know him can stand up against the confusion that's in this world and say, I don't care what you think and what you come bringing. I can tell you what I know because I've lived it and I've proven him and I've shown him faith. We need you to show a young generation, to show a new saint, to show a new believer how to praise their way through, how to worship their way through. Amen. Sometimes you got to go to an altar of prayer. Sometimes you got to go to a closet, and you just got to go through it. Come on, somebody. We used to preach about praying through. When's the last time you prayed something through till you walked out and you said, God, I'm leaving it in the closet. I'm leaving it behind, and I'm walking out with my hands lifted and my faith restored because I know that you're going to take care of it. 
need to get to my message tonight, but it rests on this foundation because if you want something more than a t-shirt to wear or a honk if you bumper sticker or, 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 or all the crazy things, certificate to hang on the wall, religion won't do that. Casual Christianity won't do that. Only an encounter with him will do that. You're going to be used of God in this hour. You're going to have to know his voice. You must know him. I've said this many times, and as long as the Lord leaves me here and they keep giving me a microphone, you're going to hear it many more times because she was the greatest Christian that I ever knew and witnessed and thank God for her. But my grandmother, precious as she was, used to stand up every testimony service and say, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. It starts with knowing him. But watch what Jesus said, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Watch the instruction and the progression. Verse 29, my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And by the way, I and my Father are one. Why is that so important? Because until you know him under the parameters of truth, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We still shout about that. Until you've approached him by way of the Acts 2.38 message when Peter, fresh off of a red-hot prayer meeting, stepped up before a wicked yet religious people and declared while holding the keys to heaven that you must repent and you must be baptized in his name and then you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's how you know him. That's the voice from the beginning. And I'm telling you tonight, in 2023, it's still the right voice and it's still the right message. Many are leaving this truth and they're selling out to a different voice because its tone is similar and the sound is close. And if you're not diligent and if you don't really know him by his word, you may hear a similar sound. And be led astray. But hear me tonight. When Jesus speaks of his voice here in those scriptures I just read to you, he is not so focused on the particular tone or sound or note of his voice, but rather the emphasis on what is being communicated. Because the word here that is used there in verse 27 translates best as hearken. Hearken means to obey, to comply with, or submit to. See, we've made this thing about too many of the wrong things when, in truth, it's really simple. Listen to his voice and obey what he says. Hear what he says, listen, and do what he says. 
Some things we don't need an explanation for. I know that ain't popular in today's world. Some things we don't need an explanation for. Some things we don't need a reason for. You just need to hear and obey. My sheep hear my voice. You get no further in the game if you don't hear or obey the voice. It's a good place to say you want a simple test to determine the voice of God? Here it is. Does it contradict this book? Is the current voice saying something different than the old voice? Because if you suddenly start hearing something that sounds a little familiar, but it communicates a contrary message, it ain't God's voice. See, we serve a God that gave his word with all factors considered. That's why he could plainly declare, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because when he opened his mouth and spoke the word, he gave it knowing what our world in 2023 would look like. So when the new modern-day religious revelation comes along, if you want to stay in his hand, you better make sure you stay in his word. Because it's in his word that you secure your place in his hand. And that's why we preach, and that's why we teach, and that's why we emphasize relationship. Even greater than relationship, we preach fellowship. Why? Because a lot of people know about him, but many never really make it to truly knowing him. Ah, uh, come on now. We can't just know about him. We got to really know him. It just can't be about his works and, and all the miracles and all the great stuff, but we must know his character and we must know his nature Anybody still hungry for that today? To really know Jesus today? Not just a history character, not just some great stories and some good concepts and principles, but to really know him. See, the young man in our text tonight thought he wanted to know Jesus. We've labeled him the rich young ruler. He's been preached about all over this globe. Now, our characterization of him as a rich young ruler is not actually found in Scripture. That's not said. He's not called the rich young ruler in Scripture anywhere. But we gather that or we assemble that from what we know from each gospel account. Mark, the passage I chose tonight to read from, is probably the least description of him really only letting us know he's a man which that's pretty powerful in this world today. Woo! <laughs> Matthew keys in on his youth. And Luke gives us the added knowledge that he was some sort of ruler. Hence, because we don't know his name, many have speculated, theologians have tried to decipher, and they've made him all kind of people. I ain't come preaching under that today. I just want to stay what the Word said. The Word said that he was young, he was a male, and he was 
had some money, had some wealth. Hence, we call him the rich, young ruler. And at this setting in Mark, Jesus had been preaching, and woo, it was a hot one. It was one of them that ain't going to get you many return guests to church. Uh, you know, he had just got finished in chapter 9. If you go back and read it, he, he was talking about cutting off hands. Plucking out eyes. You know that real popular preaching about being saved at any cost? <laughs> we can't sacrifice. Never mind. Hallelujah. You know, the preaching that everybody wants their neighbor to hear. But, but never want to apply it to themselves. Y'all know what I'm talking about tonight. And, 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 and he had stirred up the religious. So that's what that kind of preaching does. Pastor said something tonight in the uh, in the leadership meeting. He said, "Now, if you don't speak up and say what you need to say, don't talk about us behind our back." Heard somebody say at at a, at a famous camp meeting that's going on this week. He said, "Beware of the whispers. Beware of the whispers." I tell you what, preaching like that will get some folks whispering about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll have you for lunch. And he had stirred up the religious crowd. He had them fuming. He had them ready to get a jump start on that crucifixion thing that they had in mind. And then just to push them over the edge. Jesus was pretty cool. Really, he was. He was pretty cool. He steps into their personal lives and he starts preaching on marriage and divorce. He's already gotten pretty ticked off about cutting off hands and plucking out eyes and being saved at any cost and you know and and then he goes to meddling he gets in their house and he starts preaching on marriage and divorce and while they're stewing in the message he makes a symbolic statement about who their hard hearts are affecting the most I love it because it's in every account he calls for the children And he starts blessing the children while they're stewing and arguing and whispering and trying to figure it all out and being so mad at him they can't even see straight. He said, let me have them babies because I don't need another generation like you. And he starts praying for those kids. And he starts praying for all the young people. And he starts blessing them to the point that somebody said, Stop bothering him with all those kids. And he said, "Uh Uh-uh. Don't you stop them kids. You bring them to me and let me pray for them because their mamas and their daddies are crazy. There's so much preaching right there. I'll leave that to pastor for another time. I'll just transition by saying Jesus was showing them who their current condition was impacting the most, and it was their children. Come on, folks. Thank God for last week. Thank God for VBS. Thank you, Pastor, for your message on Sunday and reminding us of our responsibility towards our families. So Jesus blessed all the children as he was 
leaving them to just deal with the word. He had just dropped down on them like an atomic bomb. And he was leaving, going about his business, and here comes one running. Verse 17, and there came one running. One translation said he was chasing him. He was in hot pursuit. Anybody ever watch cop shows? Anybody ever been on a cop show? Do this. Yeah. There's a term called hot pursuit by the general public. But its legally recognized name is fresh pursuit. And this is what it does. It allows officers to engage in a chase without the need of warrants or other official pre-prepared documents in order to prevent the escape of a desired suspect. To enter into it, this is all they need. They need an immediate knowledge of the situation and a reasonable belief that the risk of not obtaining the suspect in the current moment would result in the loss of critical evidence needed to bring the situation to justice. It is a time is of the essence matter. We got to get him now because the window of opportunity may close and may never be opened again and he may be lost entirely. See, I know it's old-fashioned today, but I still believe that no man comes except the Spirit draw him. And you didn't just happen into this service tonight, but there was a spirit that was at work. It was pulling you, and it was drawing you. It made you lay down your excuses. It made you push past your tiredness and your weariness from your long day at work. It made you forget about all you got to do tomorrow, and it brought you into this place tonight, not so you could get a mark for attendance, so you could get into his presence. Because it's in his presence where we get refreshed. Find his word. And so here he comes, this rich young ruler. He's in hot pursuit or fresh pursuit. He obviously had some knowledge of Jesus. He has obviously heard of him. And now Jesus is walking away. And the rich young ruler engages because this is his window. The truth is, he should have been in line with the other young people. But that's another message and probably a diagnosis of his issue and why his interaction with Jesus probably ended up going the way it did. I'll leave that alone. That's a whole, that's a, that's an hour-long teaching right there by itself. Probably was too good to get in that line while the others was in the line getting blessed. He probably had a little bit too much pride to get in that line while the other young people. See, one, one scripture said it was infants. One just said it was young, and they said he was young. I believe he probably was supposed to have been already engaged with Jesus. 
but he was about to miss his time altogether. Nonetheless, let's let that absorb in. You think about that on your way home. Probably all the time it'll take. He gets into his presence and he asks his question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It seemed like a good question. It seems to be appropriate. He seems to be sincere. But Jesus, mm, you can't get much by him and just throw much out the way. You can't get anything by him. He's the ultimate discerner of true intent. He knows him. He knows his thoughts. He knows his heart. He knows his true intentions. And so he challenges the young man. Why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. And he speaks to him on his level at the moment. Because Jesus will always, thank God for this, meet you where you are. He'll meet you where you are. Come on. He knew this young man was religious. He knew this young man had some head knowledge. He knew that he was rich, but he was about to destroy his false concepts. And he said to him, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't offend your neighbor. Honor your mother and father. And now the young man's getting excited. Woo! I just passed the test. Kept every commandments. I've aced the quiz. I'm a size 36 regular robe. He was young. 36. Long time ago. Seven, five, eights, crown size, please, Lord. I'd like my mansion over by the crystal sea. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready. Sign me up. But verse 21, notice what the verse declares unto you. Jesus loved him. Don't ever forget, no matter where a person's at, no matter what you can see, Jesus loves them. See, if you can get a hold of that revelation, it'll revolutionize how you deal with people. Because there's not a person that's walking that, 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 that Jesus loves me above. Come on. Mm. Jesus loved him. There's never a doubt about the love of God toward man. In fact, God loved us, according to the Scripture, while we were yet a sinner. While we were still his enemy, he loved us. While we were out doing our own thing, he loved us enough that from the foundation of the world, he set a plan in motion to save us with his very own blood. But now Jesus is about to test his love towards him. And here's my message for tonight, and I'm circling the runway with eight minutes to go. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, saints and sinners, Jesus Christ loves you. Settled. But if you end up lost and if you miss out, it will not be because of a lack of his love but it will be because of a lack of your love. And this is hard, but it's true. This man wasn't really after Jesus to truly know him. He loved the idea of eternal life. He was in love with himself. 
And now he's trying to find out how could he keep the good times rolling on. Hey, Jesus, bless me a little bit. Hey, Jesus, tell me what I want to hear. Just let me hang out with you for a little while. Tell me I'm good, and I'll be on my way. Tell me everything's all right, and I'll just keep living my life, and I'll keep doing my own thing. Just let me know we're all good. Because all of his life, he had been chasing God. But today, he was having an encounter. And Jesus was teaching us all a lesson in this.